0: It's time to talk some golf and what a 2022 it has been for New Zealand golfers. And we go to the great man, we've had him on a couple of times this year, um, very good analyst of the game. We're rightly celebrating over here in New Zealand with the feats of particularly Ryan Fox, Lydia Ko, and Stephen Alker. If you were a Kiwi and you part Kiwi, Bruce Young, you've spent enough time here, we're rightfully celebrating.
1: And deservedly so, staff. I think it's uh, been, as I'm sure everybody is aware, a phenomenal year for New Zealand golf, not only with the um, the performances of Lydia Coe, Ryan Fox, and, of course, Steve Elker, but I think the emergence of Daniel Hillier, mm. a promising young um New Zealander who's um, been, you know, a New Zealand amateur champion twice. He's won the Australian Junior Championship. He's won the New Zealand Junior Championship. So much has been expected of him. And uh, by going through the Challenge Tour in Europe over the last couple of years and eventually getting to the European Tour, and already showing in one or two performances on the European Tour that he has the game to take it to the next level, we've got those three established players, Ko, Alka and Fox. Performing with distinction worldwide, but I think Daniel Hillier also is a name to look out for in the future.
0: Yeah, definitely is, uh, definitely is, and we've got other guys like um, Josh Geary and Nick Voke and uh, Denzel Irumaya. Yeah. yeah, we're pretty well served in the younger ranks.
1: Just, well, just, it's it, it, just on that. Uh, you know, I was at the uh, Australian PGA Championship last week, and Denzel Iremier, um he's really quite special. I think. I mean, he went to Iowa State along with Nick Voke, who you mentioned. And I remember seeing Denzel play at the Australian Open about three year three to four years ago at the Australian Golf Club. And he played with Mark Leishman on the final round. And he really looked at home. Looked a very classy individual, a long hitter, um, a lot to like about his game and I think he too is another one of those young players that could well develop into something quite special in the years ahead.
0: Let's look at the re emergence of Lydia. I was going over her career this morning. I mean this year she's had three wins, nine top fives. She's had a total of nineteen career wins. She's now the world number one. And when you think that two years ago she was the world number fifty five Uh, she has, uh, this has been a remarkable comeback Um, this year she won in Korea, special Uh, she won the richest tournament, special her pressure game is on point now as well
1: Oh look! you're absolutely right you're right, she slipped outside that top 50 a couple of years ago, she was in an all time low, her confidence self-admittedly was down, she turned to Sean Foley who had previously coached Tiger Woods uh, on occasions and he seemed to get her out of her, out of her own way to some extent. She was probably thinking too technically about things, and I think she just free uh, he just freed her up mentally and technically, and just got her back swinging the way that she had as a younger player, and just freed her mind to a large extent. And now she's just recently moved on to a new coach, but she still speaks very highly of what Sean Foley had done for her. The guy Ted O, oh, a Korean. Um, Natural, I think, but he's uh, certainly been in the United States for a long time, Ted O. And she's now working with him. But collectively, the two of them, uh, both Sean Foley and Ted O., have played a key role in getting her back to where she is now. Uh, I, yeah, I just I think it is a phenomenal performance, as you say, outside the world 50 and and top, and really thinking pretty badly about a range of things. And now all of a sudden, every week she seems to be there or there about Steph, as you said, not only the three wins, but 11 other top 10s on the LPGA Tour this season. Her biggest year money-wise, but much of that because of that $2 million that was available at the final event of the season. She moved moved past Minji Lee as a leading money winner, and there are a lot of other categories that she won this year. I think she was the Player of the Year. Her putting average was very, very good this year. Uh, she won the race to the Globe. Uh, it has been an amazing turnaround, but she's back to where we knew her back in 2017 when she was world number one for quite a few weeks and uh, it's a bit hard to see her being knocked off that mantle now that she's moved past Nelly Korda, because every week she seems to be putting herself in a position to contend and potentially win tournaments.
0: And then we go to the great man Steve Elker and here's some stats for you His whole before he joined the Champions Tour uh, his whole career which would be Thirty years, uh, three wins in Australasia, four wins on the secondary tour, the Web.com, two wins on the Canadian tour. Then this year, twenty-three tournaments, four wins, four seconds, four thirds. He won three million dollars over twenty-five years as a professional, and he won four point five million in thirty-three champion starts. <laughs> that is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I... It is, and I think collectively, Lydia Ko, Ryan Fox, and Steve Elker could do a significant amount for the New Zealand balance of payments, couldn't they, just (laughs) on their own account? But but, uh, look, Steve Elker, uh, yeah, he's one of those great success stories that comes out of the US Senior Tour, the PGA Tour Champions, as they like to call it. I've had the good fortune to caddy in a few events on the PGA, uh, the senior tour back mid 25 years or so ago for Graham Marsh mm. in just a few events there. And what struck me was just the quality of play. So a lot of people might tend to dismiss it, staff, as just uh, maybe a bit of a hidden giggle for the old boys. But really, you've got to play darn well. And as we've seen throughout the year on our screens here in Australia and indeed in New Zealand, Steve Elka has produced some high quality golf he seems to have picked up a bit of length from the tee and it's going to be very interesting when he comes down he is uh, committed to play the New Zealand Open in early March and it'll be fascinating to see how he foots it with the guys from the same tees as them they play slightly shorter tees on the on the Champions Tour, but but he is hitting it probably as long as he's ever hit it, Steve. He's kept himself fit, kept himself competitive, even though he wasn't performing with a lot of distinction on the Corn Ferry Tour. But importantly, he kept competing until the age of 50, and I think that's been very important for him as he's uh, made that transition. So amazingly, after Monday qualifying for the first event, and then really just getting starts every year, every week since then. So. Yeah, it's uh, phenomenal. Given the players that he's playing against now too, padraig Harrington and so many other major champions Ernie Els, Phil Mickelson on occasions and he's beating them on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, because that's that's the normal pattern is the guys when they turn 50 and we've seen it with the likes of, we go right back to Dave Stockton and Bernhard Langer, as soon as they turn 50 they just commanded it and Um, but Steve Elko really had no form on the board, turned 50 and just went bang, a a remarkable story. But Ryan Fox, um, this year, two wins, eight top 10, second on the DP World Tour. He's ranked 27 in the world. I think we can excuse his hiccup last week. Um, I think he could be a good showing in the Aussie Open this week.
1: I think that uh, you're exactly right. He can be excused for last week because he he rushed back from... Uh, dubai he was a bit unsettled when he got i was i i, I spoke with him quite a bit at the uh, at the australian pga championship at royal queensland uh, he was just unsettled a bit i think and i i think now going with a, a bit of, he i think he spent a few days back in auckland over the weekend after missing the cut. Um, but it has been, again, another phenomenal year for him. And I think he puts much of it down. Well, there's a few things that he puts it down to. Um, Obviously, improved putting stats, the fact that COVID is no longer an issue. He can can travel quite freely now. I think turning to a more regular coach, he still works with Marcus Wheelhouse, of course, Mm. but Jamie Goff, the guy he's working with, gives him a pair of eyes to look at his swing on a regular basis in Europe because Marcus wasn't able to do that when COVID was happening. But interestingly enough, Marcus will be there with him this week at the Australian Open. So, uh, look, it, it, it's natural progression. We always felt Ryan Fox would get to be one of the better players in the world. He's heading in that direction, and uh, his performance this week will be watched with interest. But irrespective of how he goes, staff, it's been a phenomenal year for him.
0: Bruce, um, I don't mean to do this live. Can, can I get you to hold just for a couple of minutes while we have a quick news yeah, sure, update? No because I want to talk more about the Australian Open with you. So we'll come back with uh, Bruce Young looking at this Australian Open. Of course, Ryan Fox is in the field, and the field is headed by Cam Smith. Uh, wonderful bunch of golfers. So, Bruce Young, after the news. We are joining in the golf conversation still, and thank you to Bruce Young for holding on, our wonderful golf analyst. Uh, Looking ahead to this weekend, Bruce, and at the Australian Open. Before we look at the field, what can you tell us about the track that they're going to be playing on?
1: Well, they're playing on two tracks. Uh, They're playing it uh, initially, anyway, for the first two rounds, because they're playing it concurrently with the Australian Women's Open. So they're going to play, in order to accommodate the... The significant fields, I think there are 108 in the women's field and 150 or so in the men's field. They're playing it at both Kingston Heath and the Victoria Golf Club. I mean, two of the great golf courses mm-hmm. in Australia. They're in the Sandbelt in Melbourne, and uh, Kingston Heath is probably rated number one or number two in Australia, along with Royal Melbourne. And uh, so, but they return to the Victoria both tournaments return to the Victoria Golf Club for the weekend and uh, look, it's a fine golf course, that's for sure. It perhaps doesn't have the same uh, reputation as both uh, Royal Melbourne or Kingston Heath but it's still an outstanding Sandball golf course. So the two events will be playing concurrently. We've got Minji Lee amongst the women. She'll be the standout as as far as uh, favouritism is concerned. She won the US Women's Open this year. It was probably even a bit of a battle between her and Cameron Smith who might win the Greg Norman Medal for Australian Golfer of the Year last week. Because you winning the U.S. Women's Open and the uh, and the and and the significant kudos that that brings was um, pretty uh, m- might have caused a bit of debate. But Cameron Smith win at the Open Championship and his other wins, including the Players Championship and the Tournament Tournament of Champions at the start of the year, he won a liver Golf event. But I don't know necessarily whether that came into calculations. But then of course he won the Australian PGA Championship after that award was announced. So he became the Greg Norman Player of the Year. But This week, as far as the men are concerned, um, Ryan Fox will be the second highest-ranked player in the field behind Cameron Smith. We've got a few European players. Even it's a European and PGA Tour of Australasia jointly sanctioned event, uh, but there's hardly many uh, Europeans in the field. Some some European Tour players, some of them Australasian, but um, it's it's going to be a good lineup. Adam Scott will be in the field. Cameron Smith. And, of course, Ryan Fox, who we hope, as we mentioned earlier, has um, will will play much better this week.
0: And Adam Scott's got Steve Williams back on the bag. We tried to get Steve, but he had really early morning starts with Adam Scott last week, so we, <laughs> we couldn't get him. But it's good to see that duo back.
1: Oh, it is. I spoke to him last week about it, and uh, I think both, both are excited. I mean, Steve's been uh, away from caddying for a few years now. Uh, I know he caddied for Ryan Fox at the New Zealand Open. That was held two or three years ago now. So it's been a while since Steve's actually caddied as such. But they've got such a good relationship, Adam Scott and Steve Williams, uh, where they won the Masters together. They had a great... uh, Adam Scott got to number one in the world with Steve on the bag. And we know what Steve's history is like. And I think uh, uh, when uh, Adam was asked about it last week, it was just like uh, getting back on the bike with the two of them together. They just gelled very quickly again. Adam didn't play particularly well last week but I think he'll be much better uh, this week, Adam Scott. As we know he's a classy individual and a classy player. He's probably the third or fourth highest ranked player in this field and I think that combination of Steve and uh, Adam Scott and not only is it going to be for these two weeks but Steve is going to be caddying for the, Adam and some majors next year as well in the sheer arrangement with Adam Scott, the caddy. So I think it's a good positive move. Steve always brings a real level of positivity to, and decisiveness to a player's game, and I think that was the element that he brought to Adam Scott when he joined him back in 2011. So I'm uh, looking forward to see, seeing how that eventually goes.
0: And another player I want you to comment on for me, because I, I rate this guy, but he never seems to get many headlines, is Lucas Herbert. Um, he's on about the 10th line of betting, but I think he's a real top three chance. What, what can you tell us about Lucas Herbert?
1: Well, I, I tend to agree with you there. I mean, he's won a couple of events on the European Tour. He's now won on the PGA Tour. We saw him playing in New Zealand at the New Zealand Open. He finished second behind Brad Kennedy. A couple of... Was it second or third? I know he double-bogeyed the last, but he still had a chance to win with a couple of holes to play. He's a very powerful player. Um, uh, he's an aggressive player. He's a interesting player to watch. He heard his back last week and had to withdraw from the tournament at the PGA. So hopefully all that's going to be okay. He'll be back on home ground, so to speak. He's a Victorian as such. Uh, he's a classy player, a powerful player. And, uh, you know, he's headed for much higher. He's already, I don't, I'm not sure he's inside the top 50 at the moment. He was briefly, but he might have slipped outside of it now. But he's a, he's a high-class individual, uh, high-class golfer is uh, Lucas Herbert. And um, I, I agree with his sentiments. I think he's very impressive. And I think he's heading for much greater heights than he's already reached.
0: A really cool story out of last week was in the Pro-Am. Cameron Smith was uh, partnered with Cameron Smith from uh, Melbourne Storm Days. That was cool. But Cam Smith, obviously part of the Live Golf uh, situation now, which is very unpopular in the States. Has that that created any discussion about his links with Live Golf when he's back home in Australia?
1: Well, to be honest with you, it didn't really generate much discussion at the press conferences last week. He might have been asked one or two questions about it. But the PGA Tour of Australasia have an arrangement where they, those players can play. It's not as if it's like the PGA Tour in the United States or in some re, some situations, the DP World Tour. So PGA Tour of Australasia, justifiably so, because Cameron Smith made the difference between the success or otherwise of the Australian PGA Championship last week. The crowds there were phenomenal. Best crowds I've seen at golf tournaments in Australia since the Greg Norman days. I mean, he's a local boy in Brisbane, admittedly. He's a knockabout bloke. He's a boy-next-door sort of a character in many ways. There's no pretenses about Cameron Smith. People really warm to him, Uh, that uh, mullet that he carries, really. You know, there are a number of people out there wearing fake mullets just to sort of (laughs) join the party. It was a bit of fun last week. But I thought it was a gutsy win, Staff, in many ways last week for Cameron Smith because he had to uh, cop all of that last week in terms of being fated by the Brisbane public. He was given the keys of the city, uh, he was the expectations on him doing well were pretty significant. He's made a slow start to the tournament, but he came home strongly and uh, he, he showed what a truly class golfer he is. He's ranked number three in the world. Some might argue that he's actually higher than that because since he's joined the Live Tour, none of his uh, uh, performances have carried world ranking points. Although last week's did not many, admittedly, but um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's he was uh, impressive to watch. Last week, in so many respects, because of not only because of his golf, but the manner in which he handled the expectations and the and the, and the greater level of scrutiny that's on him.
0: Mm, well said. You know, he's a wonderful player to watch too. I don't care where he plays; I just he's like got, watching he's, him he's,
1: play. He's got such imagination Staff. have, yes. and I, we even saw it a couple of years ago at the Masters when he finished second behind Dustin Johnson. Two or three years ago, we saw that amazing ability to just get up and down from anywhere. He's got a great short game and great imagination to go with it. You know, you can't, you've got to have skills and technique, admittedly, but if you've got that imagination and then carry out that imagination with some great technique, then uh, he's got a capacity to get up and down from anywhere. And I think we saw it last week.
0: Can we suggest Aussie Sevey?
1: Uh, you, I don't think there's anybody like Seve, but, um, <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> I, we could perhaps suggest that. But uh, look, he's got his, his game's pretty complete all round, mm. and and as he said in a press conference this morning in Melbourne, he said uh, these courses, uh, Kingston Heath and Victoria, really sound you out in every respect. You've got to have every department of your game in pretty good fettle. In order to handle these two golf courses, they're great golf courses, Sandbelt golf courses, and um, if he can re- replicate what he produced last week, especially over the last three rounds, then he's going to be well he's already the man to beat. But the expectations on him winning at first Australian Open, after being runner-up in a playoff against Jordan Speed two or three or four years ago now, then I think it'll be it's the one it's it's probably the one title that he now want not wants to win other than major championships, he's probably desperate now to win his own National Open, as most golfers are.
0: Mm. Brilliant, Bruce. I love chatting golf with you. Thanks heaps for your time and your insights. Really appreciate it.